1: Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. I drive, center field, hit the wall, win slam. This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy
0: becomes
1: reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. And
0: just like that. September is here. Welcome into fantasy baseball today on Wednesday, September 1st. Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White here to talk injury stash rankings. Scott wrote an article which is currently live on the site. We have veterans to consider dropping, potential league winners, and more. But Scott, if we're talking league winners, we got to start with Blake Snell. I mean, seven (laughs) no-hit innings on Tuesday against the Diamondbacks. Pierce Johnson gave up a hit in the eighth, so there wound up being no-hitter. That's not the story here. It's Blake Snell. 19 more swinging strikes on 107 pitches. Last six starts, 1.74 ERA, 54 strikeouts to just 12 walks over, I believe it was, 36 and a third innings pitched. This, I mean, Blake Snell is just a rocket ship up the rankings, absolute must start every time out, rest of the season, in my opinion.
1: I mean, the most notable stat three seven inning starts in August. Yeah. You know, if Blake Snell is going seven innings, the, the rest of it's got to be good. Yeah. I mean, we had pretty much written him off before this stretch. We were, we were pretty much done with Blake Snell, except as a matchups play, you know? And, um, St- suddenly, he's showing us all what, what made him so attractive in the first place. And really simple trick he's done here. It's something that have, has helped many many a pitcher turn around in recent years. And that is throwing his best pitches more and his worst pitches less. Once again, his changeup uh, in this start, he threw just one. He threw just one according to StatCast and has really faded that pitch. It hasn't been a good pitch for him. Uh, As I pointed out before, the numbers against it, hitters have just teed off on it this year. And uh, a lot of... Actually, he threw his fastball a ton in this one, but the slider usage has been up uh, throughout this stretch. And obviously, he's getting results with it. You know? It's, It's a simple trick... I guess simple in in design but maybe difficult in execution. I don't I don't know why it would be difficult in execution. Just throw the pitch you probably throw best, the one you're probably most comfortable throwing, throw it more. But whatever, it's it's working for Blake Snell and um, I I I stop sh- I stop short of saying he's must start now, but pretty close to it. I, he is for me. I, I think just the way that he's pitching
0: right now, it doesn't really matter who he's facing. He's going out there, and he's he's absolutely dominating. And you mentioned simplifying the pitch mix, and I, I think he's just throwing pitches right now that he can command because earlier on in the season, and I, I don't think we were wrong to say that, look, he should be out of your lineups. We probably recommended dropping him at some point. Through his first 19 starts, Blake Snell had a 5.44 ERA. He was pitching awfully. He, had, he was averaging nearly six walks per nine. During that stretch and over his last six starts, he's right around three walks per nine. The strikeouts are up. And again, that comes back to being able to command those pitches right now. So Blake Snell is on an absolute tear. I believe he is a must start starting pitcher. Rest of season. Let's talk about some of the other standouts from Tuesday. Oh my goodness gracious. So I messed up. I didn't ask you beforehand, Scott, who you wanted as your oh my goodness gracious player. I'll get us started. You can figure out where you want to go. But hopefully you weren't gonna choose this guy. You weren't gonna choose this guy, because I know it's just he's he's not he's not for you. Ahmed Rosario goes five <laughs> for five with a double dong. One inside the park homer and one out of the park homer, which is a new nickname here on the podcast. Very simple. The in and out. Makes sense. In and out. I assume this won't happen very often, so you won't hear it on the podcast, maybe once a season, but mm. it's an awesome feat to go 5-for-5 five five inside the park home run, obviously hit one over the fence as well here for Rosario. But it's not just this game. He's having a monster second half, and we saw this. There was, it was like a month, maybe a two-month stretch earlier this year where Ahmed Rosario was performing really well, and he's doing it again. In the second half, he's batting three forty five homers, four steals, 13 doubles. He's 62% rostered on CBS. He has outfield shortstop eligibility. And I know typically you are skeptical. I'll use, that's the word I'll use, Scott, for a meta Rosario. Are you coming around with this recent play in the second half?
1: I think he can be a useful player. Uh so he, he finishes the month of August with four home runs, three stolen bases. Obviously, one of those. Home runs was an inside the Parker, which I, I I don't know that that deserves to be counted among a, on a player's home run total. Really, it's at least for analytical purposes. Um, but let's give it to him: four home runs, three stolen bases this month. An amazingly hot month. The one month this year. Oh, uh, you know what? He had he had over three hundred in May as well. So one of two months this year where he's hit over three hundred. And, and yet four home runs, three stolen bases is all he delivered. Like at his hottest, four home runs and three stolen bases is what he gives you over the course of a month. And I just, you know, he's, all, he's long been a hollow source of batting average with a very, a, a smattering of stolen bases in there, right? But. There's just not enough counting stats. There's just not enough counting stats. I feel like you're kind
0: of. I, I feel like you're kind of downplaying four homers and three steals in a month, right, Scott? Because I mean, over if you could
1: count on him to do it every month. Yeah, I okay. Mean, Twenty-four don't... home runs, eighteen steals. But that yeah. is a, that is at his absolute hottest, you know? Yeah. And, and and like he's 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 done eighteen steals before. I'm pretty sure. That's, that's probably like the maximum he's done over the course of a season. Never done 24 home runs before. Let's see. his career-high, is 15 home runs. He had 24 steals one year. Uh, this is only 20-steal season. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, I, I know. I know this guy's been really cold the past couple of months, but Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, I, I feel like Rosario can be a better version of that. It's not useless. But, I don't know. I have trouble getting excited about it.
0: Overall, he has the batting average up to 290. Five-hit game will obviously help that as well. So, uh, 62% rostered. Would you be looking to add him? Is he a must-add? Do you get him in points leagues and three outfielder category leagues as well?
1: No. I no. probably wouldn't. I mean, if you're if you're struggling to fill a lineup spot as shortstop or outfield, um, you know, I, particularly this time of year, there's nothing wrong with going with the hot-hand play. But he's he's not going to hit 350 in, in September as well. I can promise you that.
0: More on that a little bit later on too because I want to talk about the strategy when it comes to can you drop players that you've held on to all season long to pick up hot hands? Because look, there's only one month left in the season, right? It's, we don't really have much to look forward to. I think you kind of just want to play who's hot and, and hopefully uh, ride it out with them and they help you win overall. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Scott, your oh my goodness gracious player from Tuesday.
1: Oh. <sighs> I am going to You sound so. Bo- about, you sound so bothered by it. <laughs> well, I was so busy talking about Ahmed Rosario. I didn't actually get a chance to look into it. I think Zach Plesak, same game. Probably made some people say, oh my goodness gracious, tonight with yeah. his seven two-hit innings against the Royals. Seven strikeouts, no walks.
0: He hates me. Zach Plisak hates me. And I know we kind of have this hate-hate thing going on because, you know, I, I last week I poo-poo him. I say how much he stinks here on the podcast. I'm sure that he's listening in, and, and that's why he shoved this start right in my face. And I told everyone to bench him, too, right? It's a two-star week. And I th- I still think well, that was the right play. I mean, the way that he was pitching, and he still has another start against Boston later this week. The guy absolutely hates me. Zach
1: Plisak uh, hates the me. The way he has pitched all year... He stinks. Like, what was the justifi- the only justification for starting Zach Plesak this week? And it's a two start week, by the way. The matchup, the second matchup, isn't nearly as good as the Royals, so it could all mm-hmm. it, it it could all collapse in on itself here. But the only justification for starting Zach Plesak was that the matchup was good, and yeah, like you could say that for any pitcher starting against the Royals, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's like
0: somehow the Royals are. That's, that's usually
1: not a good enough reason on its own, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, we talk about that a lot, right? Where matchups only matter so much. It's still the pitcher who's ultimately making that start, right? And we've seen more yeah, often than not, not these these starts kind of blow up in our face. But I mean, it's hard to imagine the Royals' offense actually being worse than Zach Plesak the pitcher this year. But hey, they showed it on Tuesday.
1: Yeah, I. I mean, I. I don't think Zach Plesak is you know, he had eight whiffs on 96 pitches. So that, so that certainly isn't impressive. Uh, of course he's very vulnerable to home runs. He didn't happen to give a, a one up in this game. There aren't many home run hitters in the Royals lineup and it's a big park. So, you know, when he doesn't get up home, get, when he doesn't give up home runs, he throws enough strikes that he can pitch deep into games. And that, that's what happened in this one. Uh, but I, I don't, I think you were right to move on to Zach Polisak, and, and this start is no reason to get back on board with it.
0: We have a few call-ups, Scott, making their uh, return or debut to the majors, for at least for the case of Joe Ryan, who will be called up by the Twins on Wednesday when rosters expand to 28. And I expect over the next couple of days, weeks, we'll see even more prospects, maybe some fringe prospects get called up as well. Again, in years past, it's been a 40-man roster. Actually, last year it was 28 as well, right?
1: I don't remember how they handled it last year, to be honest. It was yeah. obviously wacky roster rules in only a two, two two-and-a-half-month season. But uh, for a full-length season, obviously the the roster expansion is very different from what we remember it being. And normally, you could expand to up to 40. You could bring 40 guys up on your Major League roster in September if you wanted to. If you, rarely did teams actually add that many players, but it could be a lot. Now it's just two. Two extra spots. And so so sixty there are going to be sixty more players with the job tomorrow. I imagine most of that's going to be depth. Yeah. It's kind of even before the expansion shrank like it has, you know, that it was kind of an old school idea that, oh, teams introduced their top prospects in September to give them a trial run for next year, you know, a cup of coffee or whatever. Uh, you see that occasionally, but that's that's not really something teams are motivated to do much anymore. I remember, I think Freddie Freeman was like that, but even him, you're talking over a decade ago at this point, right?
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk about Joe Ryan, who came over in the Nelson Cruz trade from the Tampa Bay Rays. He will be on the roster for the Twins on Wednesday, and I believe he's actually making the start on Wednesday as well. So in 14 games this year in the minors, 13 starts at AAA ERA for Joe Ryan, 0.79 whip, 92 strikeouts over 66 innings, and he comes with great control. He has an awesome fastball, a pretty good slider, not really much after that, so doesn't have the most diverse arsenal at this point. He allows a lot of fly balls as well. I think that's worth mentioning. He's Mm -hmm. 6% rostered. Scott, would you be looking
1: to add Joe Ryan anywhere? I think at 15 teams and up, I I think it's kind of a, you know, he's a, he's a fringe top 100 guy. Now his minor league numbers are fantastic, especially the strikeout rate. And in 2019, he had an ERA below two. His ERA was 196 in 2019. And yet I'm not sure he's ever been a top 100 guy, by the major publications, which, which makes him a fascinating sort of prospect because it's mostly just a fastball, an amazing fastball. He does have a couple of pitches that he can use to change pace a little bit, but it's really just that fastball. High spin fastball gets a lot of swings and misses on it. Is that going to work against a major league lineup in a starting capacity? And I think it's a big question. But if it does, you know, obviously that that could be a great thing. I mean, that was kind of the profile for Freddie Peralta when he first came up. And it took him a while to... to to find consistency at the major league level. And eventually he did have to develop a slider that's helped put him over the top this year. Um, but there were, there were signs of, of him developing more along the way. And, and so maybe Joe Ryan can, can, can have a few splashy starts here down the stretch. It's not even clear that he is going to be in the rotation, right? I assume he will. But. Yeah, I think the most recent news that I saw was that he actually was going to start on Wednesday. Okay, that, I mean it, it would make sense that they'd give him a look there. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of like Glenn Otto, where right. the numbers are impressive enough that you want to pay attention to him, even though the the prospect pedigree isn't isn't what you'd expect it to be. Given the numbers,
0: yeah it is confirmed that Joe Ryan will start on Wednesday. So let's see where it goes from here. 15 team leagues are deeper. If he performs well this start, maybe another start out, we start to look at him in shallower leagues, some standard mixed leagues as well. Nate Pearson is the other name. He is a former top pitching prospect in baseball. He's dealt with a lot of injuries the past couple of seasons, being called up by the Toronto Blue Jays, but he's being used as a reliever. He will not be used in the starting rotation, and he's made six appearances in August at AAA Six innings, two runs, eight strikeouts. So, I mean, I think we'll see a lot of velocity, a lot of, potentially a lot of strikeouts here, Scott, but I don't think you need to add Pearson anywhere.
1: I don't think so either.
0: Okay. Well, thank you for the confirmation. (laughs) (laughs) Before we hit news and notes, the 2021 Fantasy Football Today Draft-a-thon supporting St. Jude is today. Wednesday, September 1st, just as fantasy draft season is getting underway. Tune into the six-hour stream for nonstop fantasy advice, 6 p.m. to midnight Eastern Time tonight. When you are listening to this, the FFT experts will be joined by 30 industry experts to get you prepared for your fantasy drafts while raising money for St. Jude. You can watch the entire stream on the Fantasy Football Today YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com/slash fantasy football today. Okay. I've got some bad news, and I know that you are all going to hate me for this, but starting next week, Fantasy Baseball Today and Fantasy Baseball Today in 5 are moving to three podcasts per week for the rest of the season. You'll have a pod in your feed every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We'll be live on YouTube every Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday night, just like we always have been. Uh, And before you blame football or anything else that's going on or or blame me, you can blame me if you want. That's fine. Just don't blame Scott. Uh, Just know that this is what (laughs) this is what this podcast has always done. Uh, You know, you could go back and look when Adam Azer was hosting this podcast. Every year, by the time we get to September, it was always three times per week. I checked back 2017, 2018, 2019. We always go to three times per week. So, as always, we do appreciate each and every one of you, and we hope that you'll stick it out with Scott and me for the rest of the season as we close it out strong. News and notes. Lance Lane went to the I.L. with right knee inflammation but is only expected to miss one start. I kind of think Robbie Ray is going to win the Cy Young, Scott, because he had another awesome start on Monday. I believe it was 10 strikeouts, a ton of swinging strikes again. Garrett Cole, I mean, he's he's been fine. He's been really good, but mm-hmm. I think Robbie Ray might actually win the Cy Young, which is crazy.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's certainly trending toward looking like the best pitcher in the AL. It, it's, a, it's a close call between him and Garrett Cole already, and I, I think when you consider... You consider Garrett Cole's relationship with the Sticky Substance ban, which, you know, I I don't know exactly if he was using something or what he was using, but he's associated with it because he saw big drops in spin rates right right away, big drop in production right away. I think that might hurt him with voters and and help tip the scales more toward Ray. Um, So... Yeah, I think it's I think it's highly possible. Now Ray did only pick up his tenth win, I think.
0: Yeah, but but I mean it, it most, doesn't it doesn't matter for us. It might if it matters for Cy Young voters, then they shouldn't be voting.
1: Fine. Yeah. Um <laughs> no they don't. I mean they don't they don't put as much nearly as much weight on win as they used to, but mm-hmm. it might cost him a first-place vote or two.
0: Yeah, it might, and I don't want to completely rule out Lance Lane. I mean, he's been awesome too, but now this is a second IL stint on the season. I don't know. That might detract some people there, but overall, Robbie Ray has broken 200 strikeouts. He's at 202, over 159 in the third, and he's pitched just an absolutely awesome season for Robbie Ray. And once again, I was texting with Adam Azer earlier on Tuesday night, and we were talking about how he was off by one year. His bold prediction heading (laughs) into 2020 was that Robbie Ray would finish top three in the National League Cy Young voting when he was on that Diamondbacks, so he said make sure I give him a shout-out and give him some credit, so credit where it's due. Adam are off by one year. Xander Bogarts has tested positive for COVID. The weirdest part about this is that he was able to start the game and then he left in the second inning, and this isn't the first time this happened this year. I believe that happened with Trey Turner, where we all thought, oh man, he's getting traded, and it turned out he tested positive and they pulled him from the game. It's just... I think this is just a really bad look for baseball. I don't know what's going on where they're... Are they not getting the results back in time? It's like, what's the point of even testing these guys before the game if you're not going to get the results in time to know whether or not they're positive? And And you let him start the game and he's exposed to other players. It's just... It's a really weird situation. Anyway, for Bogarts, uh, Matt Barnes has also tested positive. So there's it's going around right now with the Boston Red Sox. And I hope you know no one else catches it there. But they will both each miss a minimum of 10 days here, Matt Barnes and Xander Bogarts. George Springer left early as a precaution. Apparently, he grimaced rounding the bases and then was confused when he got pulled. So maybe it's not a big deal. But cross your fingers on Springer. He recently returned from this knee injury. So... I don't know. It's been it's been a pretty lost season for George Springer. Lucas Giolito left early with a pulled left hamstring and yeah, I was watching that start he went to go make a play, his leg kind of slipped a little bit. It it, it looked a little awkward. So, hopefully he's all right. Ozzy Albies. This one could be pretty bad because he had to get carried off the field by multiple teammates and then I think some trainers. He fouled the ball off of his knee and it looked really really bad, Scott. So, I don't I don't know if you've seen anything yet on Albies, but
1: it's yeah, there were X-rays. The X-rays were negative. Okay. So that doesn't mean he won't have to go on the IL or miss some time. I mean, it could be a bone bruise. It could be something else. But it's it's not a fractured, it's not a fracture in there. So that's initial indications are encouraging.
0: Joe Madden said on Monday that Mike Trout is still dealing with some soreness in his ailing right calf. I just I don't think it's going to happen for Mike Trout this season, and it doesn't really make sense. The Angels are not playing for much. I think it makes more sense to just shut him down for this season and have him have an extended offseason, get him ready for next year because the Angels kind of go as Mike Trout goes and they haven't had him and I don't think they no? will have
1: they well that's true. Yeah, you <laughs> do. You're they right. go as Mike Trout goes? While they was, just gotta go nowhere.
0: While while I was saying that, I was like, that's not true, Frank. What are you saying? So it's just you're you're right. Good. Call me out. Call me out when I say stuff like that. Dave Roberts said that Cody Bellinger, quote, for the most part, will not start against lefties moving forward. And uh, I've got some veterans a little bit later on that we'll talk about that you might want to drop. We brought it up last week. I think you dropped Cody Bellinger, Scott. I mean, he's not starting its lefties and he's just, he's awful overall. So he's, he was betting eighth on Tuesday.
1: They, they, it, it happened a few weeks later than I thought it would. But remember when Mookie or when, when we were waiting for Trey Turner. Mookie bats with everybody to get healthy, and we're like, oh, what's going to happen to Pollock? What's going to happen in Chris Taylor? It's like, well, Cody Bellinger, I mean, the Dodgers don't have an automatic playoff bid, and they need people who are performing right now. That's more important than rehabilitating Cody Bellinger's swing. Uh, it might make sense for him to be the one who sets at least against left-handers, and, and that's, that's kind of the explanation Dave Roberts gave. So it, it took a while for them to come around to it, but now that they're there, I think... It's pretty safe to drop Cody Bellinger.
0: Yeah, which is it just sounds crazy to say, but again, we're like we're at this point in the season where it's we can't wait anymore. He's ninety six percent rostered, so that I think that number should be a lot lower by uh, this time next week. Zach Greinke went on the COVID IL. Jose Urquidy will return this weekend and start in his place. Mike Schilt indicated that he would play the matchups in the ninth inning for the time being. When it comes to uh, saves moving forward. Giovanni Gallegos did pick up the save on Monday night.
1: So Giovanni Gallegos was the only guy that Schilt named as somebody he could turn to instead. And John Mazelak, uh, I think that's how you pronounce the Cardinals GM's name. Uh he he said he thought it would be a committee, but he Gallegos was also the only one that he singled out. So I I think it's I think the only two Cardinals relievers to be invested in are Gallegos and and Alex Reyes at this point. And I suspect, I suspect they'll turn back to Reyes sooner than later. They're just going to kind of give him a break. I mean, that's how they presented it, but it's possible. I mean, Gallegos is a really good reliever. It's possible that he could just emerge as the closer over the final month here. So if if it's a league where saves are scarce on the waiver wire, you, you need to be invested in him at this point.
0: Yep. Gallegos is 36% rostered, and I think you said it right. Uh, they're going to take Alex Reyes out for now, but if Gallegos closes out three games in a row, and, I mean, he does it pretty easily, then they might just stick with him. We, we see that happen quite often when it comes to and, closers.
1: And because Matt Barnes is on the COVID IL now, having tested positive, you know, he's going to be out for... a about two weeks, maybe a little less. Uh, but he was he was being, you know, given given a chance to. They, they were taking a break from him. The Red Sox were, and and my assumption was the same that I said for Reyes that the Red Sox would probably turn back to Matt Barnes. But now that's gonna that that's not gonna be an option for a couple more weeks, and then he's still gonna have to prove himself all over again. So. I don't know that I don't know that he is going to get the job back from Adam Ottavino. I'm, I'm I'm definitely concerned about that as somebody who's invested in Matt Barnes.
0: Adam Ottavino did have two saves over the weekend as well, so worth noting there. Would you rather have Ottavino or Gallegos in a categories league?
1: I I'm, Gallegos is a better pitcher, but I would. I feel more confident that Ottavino is going to get more saves down the stretch.
0: Tristan McKenzie will be activated from the IL and start Thursday's game against the Royals. We all saw what Zach Plesak just did against them. So this is really good to see. I didn't know if he was just going to be out for the rest of the season. He was dealing with some shoulder fatigue. 76% rostered is Tristan McKenzie. He might be out there if you play in a shallower league. Definitely, definitely add him if you can. Willie Adamas returned to the lineup on Tuesday. Brian Snitker said that Tukey Toussaint could re enter the rotation this weekend in Coors Field, which is very yucky, but at least they're considering getting Toussaint back in there. I know uh, Drew Smiley got bombed on Monday. We'll see. I, obviously, you don't want to start Toussaint in Coors Field, but any, if he has good matchups after that, yeah, I mean, he's he's someone that we could look at. Raimel Tapia was activated on Monday and he started in left field for the Rockies. And since they're in American League ballpark right now, Connor Joe remained in the lineup and he let off. On Monday, uh, Sam Hilliard was in the outfield. Let me pull up their lineup from Tuesday just to make sure. But my lean is that once they get back to Colorado this weekend, Scott Connor Joe will remain in the lineup, and Sam Hilliard will be the one on the outside looking in.
1: Yeah, they've talked about playing Ryan Tapia in center field more now that that now that uh, he's back, so that they can keep Connor Joe in the lineup. That that is, they're on the record about that. So I don't know that it'll be an everyday thing. But clearly, they appreciate what Connor Joe has provided for them so far, as they should. And I think that means Connor Joe should be picked up in all leagues. I picked him up this weekend in my shallowest league, a 10-teamer, a 10-team head-to-head points league. Roster sizes are a little bigger than than most head-to-head points leagues. But still, I picked him up even there, and he's still widely available. Connor Joe looks like he's here to stay. He's at least for the rest of this year.
0: 35% rostered is Connor Joe. He has first base and outfield eligibility. And looking at the Rockies lineup on Tuesday, Connor Joe was also still in there. He was leading off at DH. Raimel Tapia batting second in left field. Sam Hilliard was batting ninth, playing center field. Sam Hilliard also homered in that game. Bud Black said that John Gray's bullpen session on Tuesday went well and that he's optimistic Gray will be able to start on Thursday against the Atlanta Braves both Alex Wood and Johnny Cueto were uh, placed on the COVID IL on Monday. Johnny Cueto came off and then pitched on Tuesday. He got destroyed. Destroyed, yeah. (laughs) Alex Wood actually tested positive, so he's going to be out for at least the next 10 days for the Giants.
1: I I think it's fair to say Cueto was still feeling under the weather because his velocity was down two miles per hour on his fastball, and he doesn't have much of a fastball left to begin with, so it's understandable he got crushed here.
0: Kyle Finnegan landed on the paternity list on Tuesday. Victor Robles was optioned to AAA, which means more playing time for Lane Thomas, who's been leading off recently. He's a name to look at in deeper leagues, NL only, obviously, but even in 15-teamers, he runs a little bit. The name there, Lane Thomas. Michael Chavis went on the I.L. with a right elbow sprain. Hoy Park was recalled. Luke Weaver. True story. I, Ooh, I, uh, <laughs> I, I texted Adam to see if he could hop on Zoom so I could just like record him singing Luke Weaver. But the guy is just super swamped right now, so I don't blame him. Uh, <laughs> Luke Weaver will be back on Wednesday and start against the San Diego Padres. Anything here, Scott? Are you watching Weaver to see what he does?
1: It's been a long time since I've watched Weaver to see what he does. This isn't
0: really a new uh, news or notes, but I think it's this is a situation we're talking about. It's pretty hilarious. But uh, Javier Baez on Sunday said that the uh, the booing situation that they were doing was that they were mocking fans because the fans were booing them and whatever, so on and so forth. Steve Cohen opens up his big mouth, yada yada. Okay, Baez then apologizes, which is fine. It makes sense. I get it. Then on Tuesday, he hits an RBI single in the ninth and then scores the winning run, and, and like the Mets broadcast is going crazy, Mets fans everywhere are going crazy. Poetic justice for Javier Baez. I thought this whole situation was pretty interesting. Uh, a prospect update I wanted to give you. Marlon's prospect, left-hander Jake Adair, Not re- no relation to Ellen Adair, uh, will require <laughs> Tommy John's surgery, and he was actually having a really, really good season in the minors, so hope you're all right. Jake Adair. I'm not sure you knew this about me, Scott, but... I really enjoy going to see live music. In particular, I've seen Metallica seven times. Nothing can beat the excitement of a live crowd, and I wish I could do it from the comfort of my own home. But we can't do everything from home. With Peloton, you'll have a workout experience like no other, without ever leaving the house. And if you enjoy music as much as I do, you'll love Peloton. With epic artist collaborations and instructor-curated playlists, their music experience is unlike any other. Whether you're in the mood for some hip-hop, pop, or country, the Peloton bike has the right music to keep you entertained and motivated all year long. And I think there might be some kind of misconception that the Peloton bike is just some kind of workout bike and that's all. It's way, way more than that. You can choose from all different types of classes and programs like cardio, strength, yoga, Pilates, outdoor runs, meditation, and more with the Peloton bike. There's nothing like working out from home. Learn more at onepeloton.com. New members can try Peloton classes free for 30 days at onepeloton.com/app. Terms apply. That's o n e p e l o t o n dot com. Let's take a quick break. When we return, we'll talk about some of these injured players worth stashing. Scott wrote an article. We'll talk about it next here. Fantasy baseball
1: today. Visit roberthalf.com today.
0: All right, so the six that are on the back soon but could pay off big category include Freddie Peralta, Aaron Savale, Jesse Winker, Wilson Contreras, Eduardo Escobar, and Adalberto Mondesi. I actually have news on four of those players that we can talk about right now. Adalberto Mondesi could be activated on Wednesday for the Royals. He is 78% rostered and needs to be on every single category league team. Uh, any league where he's available in a category league, he needs to be rostered, right, Scott? Yep.
1: Yep. 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 Definitely would add him over Ahmed Rosario, that's for sure. No man, come on
0: Scott. You always gotta crush of- my
1: crush my Ahmed Rosario love. Come on. <laughs> in September, in in just September, he could like Gain you 12 stolen bases. I mean, it's within the realm of possibility. Oh, one hundred. And yeah, he, it, it makes sense. He, he seems to have his timing down at triple I know he recently homered in back-to-back games. There's no guarantee he doesn't get hurt again the next time he sets foot on a big league lineup, of course, in a big league diamond. Uh, but the impact potential is great.
0: Wilson Contreras started a rehab assignment on Tuesday, so... I believe I saw he could be back as soon as this weekend. Eduardo Escobar, another one who could be back this weekend. Freddy Peralta is expected to start Friday against the Cardinals. And Scott, I know you had a little write-up about Aaron Savali, where he threw four and two-thirds innings in his latest rehab start, which suggests he could be back for most, if not all, of September. He's still 91% rostered, so there's not really yeah. anything actionable. But to get a pitcher of Savali's caliber back obviously would help.
1: Yeah, no, I actually moved him to number two in my IL stash rankings behind just Freddie Peralta's back this weekend because that's that's the priority. Savali is now that it it appears he's on the verge of returning. Now he it was reported just today that he do, he will make one more rehab start. They didn't they didn't actually specify just one more rehab start. They said he will make another rehab start. So I presume it'll be the last one if he's already going five innings. But we'll see. The
0: only other news item I saw from any players that were on your list of injury stash rankings was Kyle Lewis, who ran the bases on Tuesday. And he was actually in your whatever category. I think in a categories league, you mentioned adding him in five outfielder leagues and and stashing him there. I think it makes sense. A little bit of power, a little bit of speed. When we saw him earlier this year, the strikeout rate was actually down quite a bit for Kyle Lewis. So I was encouraged by that. He's coming back from knee surgery, I think it's a meniscus he was dealing with, but not sure how much he's going to run.
1: Right. Well, I'm not sure how much he's going right. well, sure to play. He's running the bases. That is an important step in the rehabilitation process. But as much time as he's missed, he's going to need a lengthy rehab assignment, too. Yep. And we're down to four lineup blocks left this season. I think that's right. Just four. That yeah. sounds about
0: right. Uh, all right, you can find the rest of those Scott's stash rankings there currently live on the site, cbssports.com fantasy slash baseball. It is September. It is crunch time, Scott. Can we drop these struggling veterans? And I'm going to throw... We're not going to do drop meter Just tell me what format, maybe what league size you would be looking to drop these players, if anywhere. Maybe maybe you want to hold on to them. Andrew McCutcheon went two for three with his 22nd home run of the season on Tuesday, but he had a truly awful August, a sub-500 OPS that's now two months of season where he's been really, really bad. I know April was awful for him as well, and then he had that stretch from May through June where he was really, really good. I didn't, I didn't really look into July. Apologies, but yeah, uh, Andrew McCutcheon is still seventy nine percent rostered. So would you, would you look to drop him with how bad he's been in August?
1: Yeah, three outfielder leagues. I think it's fine. I think you could go with a hotter hand. I think you could go with Connor Joe or Frank Schwindel. Not that Schwindel is eligible in the outfield, but. You know, you could reconfigure your lineup maybe to get him in. I think that's fine. I don't know. I'm not willing to say Andrew McCutcheon is done, but he's he's certainly droppable right now.
0: Mark Canna hit a home run on Tuesday, but in the second half, and he was dealing with an injury, so maybe that's something that's still lingering for him, but in the second half for Mark Hanna, 193 batting average, only two home runs, and he's actually been dropped down in the Oakland A's lineup. I believe he's been batting seventh recently for them, so... Yeah. Where would we drop Marcana, if anywhere?
1: I recently dropped him in the podcast listeners league, which is a 12-team head-to-head points three outfielder league. I had it was it was between him and Robbie Grossman, basically. I didn't imagine back in June when he first strained his hip that I would ever come to a place where I was dropping a healthy Marcana instead of Robbie Grossman, but that's where I found myself. He just hasn't looked the same since Coming back from that strained hip, and I want to say he was like a top ten outfielder in points leagues at the time he heard it. Oh yeah, he was awesome. He was, but now running high OBP. Now he's hitting. Let's see, with today's stats, his season numbers. He's hitting two thirty three. He's slugging three
0: ninety
1: four. Ah, uh, Mark Canna, faking us out again. I mean, I I think the injury
0: has a lot to do with this guy. I really was buying the player. I mean, we we always know he has a good eye at the plate and sneaky athleticism. He can run, and and that and that's really Oakland A's baseball, right? It's high OBP, keep everything moving kind of guy, and and he kind of fit that. But I think this injury is really derailing Marcana. Tommy Pham, next one up. He has a 6.47 OPS in the second half. We spoke about him recently. He's still 69% rostered, and he's sat six of the last eleven games for the Padres. Where are we dropping mm-hmm. fame?
1: I think anything shallower than 15 teams, you could probably drop him if there's a playing time issue going on there. I could understand holding on to him in a like a 12 team five outfielder league, maybe just benching him for now if that's a possibility. But I wouldn't I wouldn't object to you dropping him.
0: How about his teammate, Trent Grisham, has a six sixty OPS in the second half. He's still ninety percent rostered. He has sat three of the last 10 games for the Padres.
1: I actually have less faith in him bouncing back, actually. But he is playing more often than Fam, So I probably would stop short of dropping Trent Grisham in a five-outfielder league. But he's certainly not providing much to your team right now.
0: Okay, and, and would you be okay... I know you mentioned for McCutcheon, dropping him for one of these hot hands. Would you be okay dropping all four of those for Connor Joe,
1: Ian Happ, who hit another home run? On Tuesday? I don't love Hat, but, he, you know, any hot hand. And he's a hot hand right now.
0: All right. Well, let's talk about Austin Gomber. He was at the Rangers. Four and a third, four hits, four runs, four walks. Did have six strikeouts. But over his last six starts, Gomber has a 7.56 ERA, and he's still 72% rostered.
1: He's been awful lately. And the control issues he had in April when he also looked awful they've come back. So obviously he walked six in this start. He's walked three or more in three of four and he hadn't walked three or more in a start since April. So that's that's how that's how far he's swung back the other direction. Yeah, five of his last six have just been awful. So I I I hate that there was one more tepid recommendation of him this week because it was a 2 star week with one of these matchups at Texas. See yeah. how that turned out. But I think we can be done with them now. I think you can drop Gomber in any any league type, except maybe like NL only. You know.
0: Yeah. So obviously, you're doing it for the names that have popped up recently: Ranger Suarez, Nestor Cortez, guys like that. Yep. Cool. Carlos Santana, next one up, 497 OPS in the second half. He's still 83% rostered, and I know the plate discipline is awesome, which helps in points leagues, but overall, I mean, the batting average is down, which obviously affects the OBP. He's uh, has a really low slug uh, the pat- in the second half as well. So would you be okay dropping Carlos Santana in a points league, Scott?
1: Yeah, points league is the one you'd be most likely to hold on in because he's pretty much always top 12 there for the season. Uh, but... Points League is also the format where it's typically the hardest to stash hitters on your bench because benches are usually small. You usually want them used on pitchers. Can't have Santana in your lineup now, so I would say he's droppable in any format, though I'd keep a very close eye on him in Points Leagues especially in case he shows signs of heating up.
0: Would you drop him for Patrick Wisdom?
1: Uh, Certainly in a Categories League. I don't think Wisdom is going to be... a Great points league asset just because he strikes out so much. Uh, I would uh, Connor Joe is eligible first base. so I'll just go back to that. Well,
0: yeah. Would you do it for Frank Schwindel? Yes, Frank Schwindel. By the way, another homer. It's just <laughs> the guy. He's playing well. He's he's hot right now. Get him on your team. He, he's not striking out. He puts the ball in the air. He's playing every day. Frankie two hits. Get him on your team. <laughs> Jamison Tyone. He was at the Angels. Four and two thirds. Six earned runs. Bunch of regressions just hitting at once right now for Jameson Tyone. His last four starts, he's got a 7.91 ERA, five home runs allowed during that stretch. He's still 93% rostered. However, looks like he is in line for two starts next week. It's early to judge, but as of now, it looks like at home against the Blue Jays at the New York Mets. Would you still drop Tyone knowing he has two starts next week?
1: I would be okay with that. Yes. I, I don't, I don't think he's giving you enough reason to use him, but I do want to address him in in more of a general way because he's had a really interesting two-month stretch here. And thinking about him for next year, I I still think there's something to see here with Jamison Tyone. He had 20 swinging strikes in this start against the Angels. It was a bad start, but that's obviously an eye-popping number. And remember, in August... We were saying, well, he's still not really missing bats. He had a 113 ERA. I'm, I'm sorry, in July. In July, he had a 113 ERA, and we were saying, well, he's not really missing bats. This is largely BABIP-driven. Um, you know, the underlying numbers don't look great. Well, now here, completing the month of August, he had a 15% swinging strikeout rate in August, which is elite. That would put him in the top five, I believe, if that was his swinging strikeout rate for the season. So... He didn't get the results, but the underlying numbers looked much, much better, and suggest the stuff is better than than uh, than he. The, the, it suggests the stuff is still good. I think, I think he's obviously he's reinventing himself. That was the story this offseason. He reinvented his delivery, his pitch selection, everything, and I I think he's slowly maybe getting to a point where he can be useful again, but probably not for the rest of this season. All
0: right. And again, that's even with two starts next week for Jameson Tyone. Don't laugh at me for these next two, Scott, but I actually received a few questions. Joey Votto, who's having an awesome season, the last 15 games, he's really slowed (laughs) down. Someone actually asked, can I drop Joey Votto for a hot hitter right now? And I was just like, no, don't do that. What do you think?
1: No. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, 15 games is... Anybody can have a bad 15-game stretch. I think Joey Fado is is back in stud territory. We got to treat him like that. The other one, which, I mean, this kind of just comes with the
0: territory. It's Joey Gala. I mean, since joining the Yankees, uh, he's been awful. But if you just look at this, the second half, OPS, it's at 604. The strikeout rate is absolutely absurd. He's batting over 200 during that stretch. So we, we saw it was like June, July where he got really hot. And now uh, ever since he's joined the Yankees, I don't know if it's like pressure or whatever it might be, but he's performing very badly. Would you drop him anywhere?
1: <laughs> uh, maybe in a points league. You know, they're just, hitters are just so um, uh, replaceable in a points league. That's not the exact word I was looking for, but it'll work. Replaceable in a points league. And uh, that's fine. I, you know, I hate this profile. Yeah. I hate this profile because there are so many stretches like this where you're just like, what do I do with this guy? And he could hit four home runs next week, and you'll feel like a dolt, but what are you going to do? Yeah,
0: I mean, for for multiple reasons, players like Joey Gallo and Miguel Sano, obvious reasons too is that in a points league, you, you lose points for strikeouts. Obviously, they're they're worse in that format, but you need more weekly consistency in Not even a points league, just any type of head-to-head format. It's head-to-head categories, head-to-head points. You need consistency. You want guys that are going to go out and and help you consistently. Of course, it's nice when they have these monster weeks and and they help you win one week, but I'd rather have players that help me win multiple weeks, all season long, right? So these are specifically, and remember this for next year, if you play in a Roto League versus a points league or or any type of head-to-head league, players like Gallo and Sineau, they're better for Roto because you just kind of plug them in and end-of-season numbers, you know what's going to be there. 220, 250, whatever it might be, 30-plus homers, they'll give you that. You don't really have to worry much about week-to-week consistency. You need that more in a head-to-head type of format. And last name here, please drop him everywhere. I don't know why he's still 69% rostered, but Patrick Corbin, he gave up six more earned runs on Tuesday. He has a 6.26 <laughs> ERA overall. So I'm sure now that I've, know. I've said that, you know, because I said that about police last week, that Corbin's probably going to be awesome next week, but please drop him. He's, st- he's st- it,
1: it is. It is the strangest thing that his roster percentage has held that steady all season long. Yeah. Like <laughs> Hurry over six. Now, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> look, and there has to be people
0: that more than 31% of people playing on CBS. Listen to this podcast. Uh, maybe I'm being naive <laughs> in thinking that, but, uh, uh You don't even need to listen to this podcast. If a pitcher has an ERA over 6 in September, you can drop that pitcher. I mean, we've made it this far, so I don't know. Would you rather... I have two pitchers here that I want to ask you about, Scott. They both pitched on Monday. Who would you rather have? Bailey Ober, he was at the Tigers. Six innings, two runs, five strikeouts to zero walks. Eight starts since being recalled. Bailey Ober has a 2.81 ERA. He's only 28% rostered, and he goes up against those lowly Kansas City Royals next week. Or... Luis Patino, who was up against the Red Sox, five and two-thirds, one run, five strikeouts. He had 19 swinging strikes on 102 pitches in that start. 17 of those came on the fastball, which he threw 72% of the time. Patino is 51% rostered. He's at the Tigers next week, so that's a pretty good matchup as well. Who would you rather have, Ober
1: or Patino? They both give up too many fly balls. Patino has a much higher ceiling, much higher ceiling. I don't think Bailey Ober is... Is uh, you know uh, belongs in the garbage bin or anything? I mean, he's he's interesting. He was a, had a successful minor league career and and throws a couple miles per hour harder than he did for most of that minor league career. But it's just talent wise, it's just no comparison. So with with both of them pitching well right now, I'm going to go with Patino.
0: Where would you rank Ober and Patino in this group of the four most added starting pitchers on CBS? That group includes. Corey Kluber, we'll talk about him in just a second. Ranger Suarez, Edward Cabrera, who made another start, four innings, three runs. He wasn't very good against the Mets. Uh, And Kyle Freeland. So Kluber, Suarez, Cabrera, Freeland. Where does Uber, uh, Uber, (laughs) Ober, and, yeah. Where does Ober and Patino fit into that group
1: of four? All right. So Ranger Suarez is number one for me. Okay. Then Corey Kluber. Uh, then I would go Luis Patino, then probably Kyle Freeland, then Bailey Ober, then Edward Cabrera.
0: So if we added Edward Cabrera for the two-start week, there's just not a lot going right for him right now. He only has four strikeouts and 10 and a third. And I, look, he's young. I still think there's a lot of upside, but through two starts, you know, not many swinging strikes. It's
1: His changeup was his most used pitch in this one. He threw it 38% of the time. Yeah. That's always a curious one to me because. You you need the the changeup is supposed to be changing things up so I I understand having the slider be your most thrown pitch or curveball but it, I always find find it strange when it's the changeup especially for a pitcher who can get it up close to triple digits like Eduardo Edward Edward Cabrera can
0: thoughts on these Monday returns Corey Kluber four and a third five hits five runs he had six strikeouts and then Chris Paddock he was at the Diamondbacks. Four and two-thirds, one run. He had five strikeouts to zero walks. I don't know if you watched either of these starts or, or if you checked in on them, but any thoughts on Kluber and Paddock's returns?
1: I mean, Paddock looked good. It had been a long time since he looked good, so I'm skeptical of it. But anytime you're away for injury like that... uh You know, there's a chance to reset things, and maybe he's set them straight. But just to put a number on it, Chris Paddock... Oh, where is the number? He had like an ERA over seven for the couple months leading up to the injury. I wrote down the exact number, but I can't find it. So yeah, he'd been really bad. Kluber... You know, it was, it was, it was funny because he looked awesome through three innings. Awesome. And then I saw he left after four and I was like, oh, they must've yanked him early. But then I, but then, you know, it it was obviously just an awful fourth inning. Uh, But the velocity was back up. It it continued to be up over 90 miles per hour, up near 91 miles per hour, which is what it got up to when we saw that turnaround for him uh, halfway through April. And the curveball got a lot of whiffs. It was his most thrown pitch. he He looked like he was pitching the same as right before he got injured as opposed to that those first three four starts where he looked awful. So I was encouraged for the most part. I understand the final line wasn't good, but I thought he looked right,
0: yeah i turned on the game in the fourth inning so apologies on the reason why he got rocked i started him in a in a deeper league where i didn't i didn't really have a choice um he was awesome through three as he mentioned that fourth inning the angels were just jumping because he was throwing like a lot of first pitch strikes and a lot a lot of stuff like middle middle and the the first pitch that he threw to jack mayfield actually jack mayfield really he hits a grand slam and it was just like a, a hanging curveball in the middle of the zone and it was first pitch and credit yeah. to the angels hitters because they were they were really aggressive in that inning, so uh, good on and, that. And just,
1: and just to remind you, his fi- so his first four starts were bad, but his final six before going on the IL, Kluber had a 2.11 ERA, .91 WHIP, yep. more than a strikeout per inning. That includes a no hitter, and includes an eight inning effort where he struck out ten. He was rolling; it was looking great.
0: I have a few hitters here who might be potential league winners down the stretch. Kyle Schwarber is heating back up, and we know what this guy could do when he gets hot. He has nine hits with three homers over his last seven games with the Red Sox. Wander Franco, it looks like a league winner right now. He's one, He went one for three with a walk. He extends his on-base streak to 31 games. Reminder, Wander Franco is 20 years old. CJ Crone hit his 25th homer. Good on you here, Scott. I know he was one of your top hitter matchups for this upcoming week, and this one was on the road in Texas, so he still has four games coming up In Coors Field against the Braves on this season, CJ Crone has a 9.25 OPS, which is higher than Matt Olson and Freddie Freeman.
1: Wow, that's (laughs) a cool stat.
0: That is crazy, man. Like this is CJ Crone that we're talking about. He's got 25 homers in 367 at
1: bats. Eleven of those 25 came in August. Yeah, but five of those 11 came on the road.
0: Yeah, that's. It's interesting, man. He's he's hot right now. Another one, Yasmani Grandal, he's on fire since returning. Seven hits, three homers in four games. And Christian Yelich, I want to bring him up. He went two for four on Tuesday. And a gentleman named EJ Temmy or Tem, sorry, he tweeted me this. Yelich's last 18 games, a triple slash of 348, 390, 539, that's a 926 OPS. And I looked a little bit further into this. 17% strikeout rate, 43% ground ball rate during this stretch for Christian Yelich. So the power isn't there yet, but the fact that the strikeouts are way down, the ground ball rate is way down, there might be something here, Scott. I don't want to get too excited yet, but yeah, if, th- if this keep- keeps trending this way, we might get a really big September out of Christian Yelich.
1: Yeah, I still have a lot of hope for Christian Yelich. Even if it doesn't happen in September, I'm not saying he's going to be a first-round pick again next year. That would be... Kind of crazy, but could he be a fourth or fifth round pick, even if he doesn't have a good September? I think it's possible. I think I think they're still going. I think they the underlying numbers are strong enough, and of course the track record is there that there's going to be a reasonable amount of enthusiasm for him still.
0: I have three quick names that you might want to consider in deeper leagues, some hitters. Derek Hill in nine games since returning from the IL for the Tigers. He has 11 hits and two homers. He is 2% rostered, a former first-round pick from way back in 2014. Again, the name there, Derek Hill. Matt Veerling did not know anything about this guy before I saw what he did on Tuesday. He went 4-for-5 with a double and two runs scored, 24 years old, and he was having a pretty good year in the minors as well. Uh, he plays for the Phillies, by the way. He was batting .276 with 11 homers and 10 steals in 79 games uh, in the minors. He's 0% rostered so. And only uh and then Leodi Tavares, a sock and two shoes. That's a home run and two steals in one game. That is back That's a to-
1: weird look, a sock and two shoes. <laughs>
0: That's very yeah. Something something's going on if you've got only a sock and two shoes on. Uh back-to-back games with the homer for Leodi Tavares. He's 8% rostered so. 15 teamers, five outfielder leagues. He's he's got some power and some speed. Some Quick leftovers I want to mention from Tuesday. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has three homers over his last two games. He's heating back up. Hyunjin Ryu had no hits through five and two-thirds innings, then just completely imploded. It was a double, a a single, a walk, and a double. He winds up with three earned runs over five and two-thirds innings pitched. Someone brought up third time through the order for Ryu. I looked into it. He's got a 5.51 ERA third time through. So that's, that's obviously not good, but only a 232 batting average against and a 647 OPS. So I don't know. It's weird. It doesn't really add up that the batting average, the OPS is that low, but the ERA is high. I don't know. So it's weird there for Ryu. Uh, next week, he's at the Yankees and at the Orioles. Would you be okay starting him there, Scott? The way in he's, a points
1: league. Yeah. Yeah. I think in a categories league, you know, probably not going to give you a reasonable number of strikeouts anyway. I think it's a bad idea. By the way, by the way. What you got? By the way. Uh, remember? I don't remember when exactly it was, preseason, April, something like that, but I said if, I said I would eat my hat. we use that line again. I would eat my hat if Hyunjin Ryu finished with an ERA over four. It's at 392 right now. Ooh. Just, just saying. <laughs> I, I'm bringing that back up because i am surprised i'm well, not actually going to eat my hat nobody says i'm going to eat my hat if this happens and i've never pe- people say that all the time and i've never seen act- anyone actually eat their hat so well,
0: I, I started a podcast with my hat in my mouth that's about as far as i could go i i, <laughs> I did try to buy a cake in the shape of a hat <laughs> to, to do that here. why, why air, did
1: but. you eat your hat again
0: Because uh, Fernando Tatis swung and and immediately dropped to the ground and was writhing in pain. And and I thought, I was like, this guy's done for the year. His shoulder is is done. I was like, if this guy returns in the minimum stay on the IL, I will eat my hat. That's exactly what he did. So there you go. Me and Scotty, we're eating hats. (laughs) Matt Chapman had a double dong on Tuesday. He's now up to 23 overall and had a great August. 253 batting average. Maybe not great. It was very good. 253 batting average, nine homers, Still striking out a lot, but good to see the power coming back for Matt Chapman. Let's scroll down here. What else do we have? How about this? Interesting stat. Robbie Grossman, his 20th home run of the season on Tuesday. Nine players this season have 20 homers and 15 steals. Shohei Otani, Bo Bichette, Jose Ramirez, Ronald Acuna, Cedric Mullins, Fernando Tatis, Ozzy Albies, Trey Turner. I'm missing one. No, no, no. That is nine. And then Robbie Grossman. Robbie Grossman's the ninth. So it's really good company to be in there for Robbie Grossman. Really, really
1: good season yeah, for him. And that, that tells you why I dropped Mark Canna instead.
0: Yep. And Shohei Otani had two more steals. He's now up to 22, including a steal of home plate on a double steal. That was really fun. Not if you're a Yankees fan. They've now lost four in a row after winning a bunch in a row. So that stinks. Uh, what else did I want to talk about here? Charlie Morton shut down the Dodgers. He was really good. Walker Buehler, six-plus innings and 26 of 27 starts. I did want to want to see where Yusei Kikuchi's final line ended up. There were so many late games. The, the, all these West Coast games kill me on a Tuesday. But Kikuchi, seven shutout, four hits, two walks, four strikeouts against the Astros. So, I mean, that, that'll bring it... That'll reinstill some confidence in us here, Scott, because obviously it's a tougher matchup. The Astros lineup has slowed down here, but we needed to see that from Kikuchi.
1: We did. And I noticed he was very fastball heavy in this one. He threw his fastball 65% of the time when normally he's like 35, 40. You know, He, he really likes to mix it up. So that was interesting. And the fastball was a little bit harder because I know the velocity had been down recently, but it was it was hard to figure out exactly what was wrong with Kikuchi, and it's hard to figure out what he did right. But he did definitely do something different, and hmm. I don't know what that I don't know what that means going forward. I'm not ready to trust him because I mean. What was it? Seven of his previous nine were just plain awful. So
0: he gave up eleven hard hit balls in this game too. So seems like he might have got a little bit lucky. This was yeah. this was an encouraging start. I, I, I'm with you. I don't think we're back yet on Kikuchi. I need to see a little bit more. But yeah, the pitch mix is all over the place. Still gave up a lot of hard contact. Let's see where it goes for uh, for say Kikuchi. The call to the pen. and bullpen
1: updates from Tuesday. Oh, I, can I point out something else real quick in that game? Sure. Abraham Toro. Hit a grand slam off the guy he was traded for, Kendall Graveman. <laughs> All right. Poetic justice. Did not think I would
0: say that word twice in a podcast ever, but Javier Baez and then uh Abraham Toro
1: getting done. It, it was it was Toro's second home run for August. He hit one back on August third and then one on the last day. So he's really slowed down. Yeah. Uh but he he does he is a good contact hitter at least. The call to the pen. Joe Barlow returned on Monday. He
0: picked up his third save. And then on Tuesday, Spencer Patton got the save. It's Joe Barlow just returned. They probably don't want to use him on back-to-back days. For the Marlins, Dylan Floro gave up two hits, including three runs. He took his first blown save and first loss of the season. For the Orioles, Cole Sulser picked up his sixth save. He has the last three saves for the Orioles, though. Uh, that, that spans a very long period of time because they lost whatever it was, 19 or 20 games in a row for, for Baltimore. Uh, Cole Solcer is 7% rostered for those in the deepest of leagues. For Tampa Bay, Andrew Kittredge recorded the final two outs. He struck out both, picked up his fifth save. He now has three of the last four saves for Tampa, 32% rostered. I hate you know locking into one player when it comes to Tampa, Scott, but it looks like, for the time being, Andrew Kittredge is their highest leverage reliever in the back end.
1: I think the other three of those saves were multi-inning, so you're not a closer if you're going multiple innings that consistently, but he does at least seem to be a part of the saves mix now, and his ratios are so good that that makes him worth starting in all categories leagues. You know, I don't know if he'll give you even three saves the rest of the way, but if he does give you three saves, it'll have been worth it.
0: (laughs) To stream or not to stream, bear with me here. I didn't get to write these down beforehand, so I'm just going to Scroll through a bunch of games, and I'll give you, give you some names that stand out to me. Uh, Kyle Freeland at the Rangers. We're good with that one, right, Scott? Yes. Uh, Miles Michaelis at the Reds? No. No. Let's see. Jay Hap at the Reds. Oh, they got a doubleheader tomorrow. That's a no, right? No. Let's see. Who else do we got? Steven Matz? No. Who is this guy? Packy Naughton. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's starting for the Angels on Wednesday. I have no idea who that is. Uh Willie P- Yeah,
1: he's no.
0: No. Um actually, Joe Ryan in his debut is going up against the Cubs. I'm kind of interested. Uh,
1: yeah, I understand that. I'll be surprised if he goes more than 5 innings. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind, but you could do worse. Uh how about in the same game,
0: Logan Allen at The Royals, Jackson Kawar is back, who is a pretty highly ranked Royals prospect, going against Cleveland. Any interest in either one, Logan Allen or Jackson Kawar?
1: I think I just yawned for the first time on camera. (laughs) (laughs) It's getting getting late over here. Uh, No, I wouldn't do either of those. All right, so that's it for Wednesday. And then
0: on Thursday, oh, the Mets and the Marlins has already been postponed because of uh, inclement weather here. In New York. We're going to have some bad weather next couple of days. For Thursday, we only have two, four, six, seven games. Matt Manning versus the A's. No, we're not doing that yet. No. Uh, Rich Hill versus the Marlins. Huh?
1: Huh? Hmm. Not feeling it. Not feeling Could it. Could do okay. worse, but wouldn't be me guy.
0: How about Keegan Thompson for the Cubs up against the Pirates? No. How about Chris Bubich
1: at home against Cleveland? Well, what about Tristan McKenzie against Bubich? Well, the Royals.
0: he's 76% rostered, Scott, so he does not That's qualify. A,
1: qualifies to
0: me. Well, if you have Tristan McKenzie in a daily league, yes, you should start him against the Royals. But I assume yeah. you don't want Chris Bubich. No. All right, Thursday's a rough day. Maybe get some streamers going on Wednesday. That'll do it for Scott and Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball Today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye.